Wow. It, it, it's the middle of June. And the, the Mets are still in first. The Atlanta Braves won about a million games in a row. But the Mets are still in first. And despite all the injuries, all the pitching woes, Mets are still in first. Yankees, too, for that matter. Blowing everybody away for nine in a row and counting. Can they be stopped? I don't know. I don't know. We're going to find out. Welcome to Downtown Sports. I am the Mountain South, John Schiavone, along with my co-host, the Beast of the East, Jonathan Periente. This is Downtown Sports. This is where sports come home. Let's start the clock. The Mets and the Yankees, mm. they are just rolling along. And we got an MLB top 10 to give to you. You will hear that on the other uh, recording release this week where we think the teams are. But my, oh, my. Who would have thought June 19th, the two best teams in the two leagues yep. both just happened to be from this city? It's always that telling month. June is always that telling month to see where you are. Are you the team that others should take seriously or not? This is always what defines where your team is heading in the month of June. And then it kind of sets the table for July and then the dog days of summer. And then you get right into September and into the postseason. And it's really incredible. And I'll give, you know, in more ways than one, the Mets and the Yankees, I think, are virtually, should I say, two sides of the same coin. I mean, they play, they're playing a little bit of a similar style, but here's kind of how they're different. The Mets really aren't relying as much on the home run. It's more through good approach at the plate, good two-out hitting, being aggressive on the bases. And the Yankees, they've been doing a little bit of that too, but a little more, but they have more of the advantage in the home run power, which is why they get the big leads that they have and why they've able to, they've been able to have those bigger innings than others. But the key ingredient here for both teams, and, and the pitching has been really extraordinary for both teams right here, the Yankees bullpen, along with the, starting crew and being and being able to stay healthy has been big, which is why the Yankees are where they are. The Mets have been able to keep finding ways. They've had, to, they've had to win some tougher games than, than maybe people thought. Some people think, oh, well, the Mets had a, have been facing a, a weak National League East. Their, their opponents in that division are terrible. And, you know, Mets have been having Braves a ain't terrible. Huh? Braves ain't terrible. The Braves aren't. Oh, yeah. No. By the way, in terms of home runs, let's take a look at this. The Yankees are obviously the number one with 105 home runs. The only team with more than 100 home runs so far this year. By the way, second, and this should concern all the Met fans out there, the Atlanta Braves with 98. Huh? And the Mets are all the way down here at 64th at, at uh, 18th place with only 64 home runs. By the way, 19 of those belong to Pete Alonso. So yeah. if you take him away, you have 45 home runs. Yeah, just about. That team doesn't have 50 home runs. But the Mets don't need home runs to win their games. That's what we've seen. The Mets rely on two out hitting, good approach at the plate, and again, the basic fundamentals, which Buck Showalter does a very good job of instilling 
with teams that he manages. The Mets have the most hits in the game, 594. Yeah. That's big. That's huge. So you never feel like the Mets are out of a game. That's why you never can count the Mets out. They find ways to win. They find ways to string rallies together out of nowhere. And just the good overall team approach that they have make the Mets very dangerous. And I'll be very curious to see how the Mets will tackle the rest of June. And and again, this is with three of their best pitchers out. No DeGrom. The month of June, no the Scherzer, Mets are only- 10 and 6. Huh? So far in the month of June, 10 and 6. By the way, this was mostly without three of their five starters yeah. in their rotation. No DeGrom, no Scherzer, and no McGill. Well, now McGill's back and he's getting shelled, so that's not a good development. He went back Mets. on the I.L. Yeah, McGill went right back on the I.L. again. Uh, so here we go again. So that's the only little bit of concern I'd have as uh, as a Met fan right now. Is, it's a big is, concern. Is I'm just, it is a gigantic concern. A, the health of McGill, but B, when McGill came back, he did not look like the pitcher that we've seen ever since he came up. Maybe he was rushed back too quickly. Maybe he maybe he just wasn't fully healed, and you shouldn't you shouldn't rush these pitchers back. If they're not up to speed, don't rush them back from an injury, particularly if they're not 100%. You can't do I, it. I agree with that, but here's the other thing that they're not – that they're uh, – uh, these Mets just uh, – DeGrom, what mm-hmm. is going on with him? He's well, I heard he's making progress, as is uh, Max Scherzer. Uh, Scherzer could be back a lot sooner than DeGrom. DeGrom will be back by at least July is the updates I have heard. What you think Scherzer's going to come back in the month of June? We only got about 11 days or so left. Of well, it. he might be back. He might be back a little sooner in, into July than, than DeGrom. He might be back in a few more, maybe in a couple of weeks. Give give Scherzer a few more weeks and he should be back. He's already been throwing in simulated games, so it's a good sign. Okay. If you're Scherzer, that's a very good sign for the Mets. DeGrom, yes. DeGrom is always a, a kind of a wait and see with him. He comes back, and then DeGrom could get hurt right all over again. And you can't afford to lose. You can't afford to lose DeGrom. No. And everybody everybody who I've been hearing all year long, that this is the same song. We don't need DeGrom. Look at how well they're doing. We don't need DeGrom. Look at how well they're doing. Yet, yeah, let me just tell you something. If you don't have DeGrom, you can't win in the postseason. Jacob DeGrom is the one key that they need because he's probably going to have to win them two or three out of a games out of a seven game series. Between DeGrom and Scherzer, those two are going to be the ones getting you your wins in playoff series. I mean, do you trust Carrasco to go out there and throw lights out every single time? Do you no. trust Peterson to do that? He's been good. He Taiwan back? Walker's been good. You know, the Mets have the Mets have been able to. You know what? It's now you look at the Mets and say, you know what? It's good that they didn't get rid of Walker. It's good that they they added the extra pitching when they did, because now without Degrom and Scherzer and without McGill, Bassett, Carrasco. Peterson. Yeah, that's Trevor, another guy. Trevor I actually Williams trust here and there. Do you trust the Chris Bassett in the postseason? Uh, I'm sorry. I'd rather go to war with the like, honestly, if, I, if it were me, if I could pick out of all the Mets were healthy, it would literally be DeGrom one, Scherzer two, Bassett three, McGill four. That's what I would be doing. Yeah. Well, the Mets are going to have a very interesting schedule ahead of them, and I'm very curious to see how they will tackle the rest of June. Five, doesn't and get- five on the 10 game road trip out west, though. 
I, that's not the, terrible. The Mets did, you know, the Mets did better than I think many teams thought they would do on the road because it didn't start good. Remember, they lost the first two games to the Dodgers to kick off that road trip, and everybody was beginning to throw up the red lights. Uh oh, Mets are in trouble here. Oh yeah, they split with the Dodgers after that. Great. I mean, they're still in trouble. Like let let let's just take a look at Atlanta here real quick. The Mets are still in trouble. Well, Atlanta's. Let me just say this straight away. They finally lost. Um, Atlanta's now off. lost two in a row after that fourteen-game winning streak. Now they've lost two straight. And well, the good won for the Mets. Games. Yeah, good for the Mets. They're up six and a half games, but you know, not, but now look at the Phillies. They're on their way back too. They fired mm-hmm. Girardi. All of a sudden, they start winning. They're uh, thirty-six and thirty-one. Yeah, eight games back at first. You know, okay. the well, Mets maybe now the to, actually, maybe the National League is starting to kind of. Uh, be the division we all thought it was going to be. be. Yeah, maybe, maybe took better late than ever. If you ask me. Well, all I know is the Mets got off to a really hot start and they're pretty much playing 500 baseball ever since. And now you got Philly and Atlanta trying to make a move on first place. Well, here's what the Mets have coming up next. Now the Marlins this is their first meeting, by the way, they've played against the Marlins this year. Now they've won the first two games after this is going to be interesting. Mets play the Strohs next. For a couple of games going to Houston. Yeah, that's a like to see how they do there. Yeah, that's one of those. Uh, that's one of those. You got to go and win that series type deals. I, I think the Mets are a better team than the Astros. They hit about as well as they do and they pitch better. So in fact, right now, the Mets are going to be in the middle of a stretch where the Houston Astros and the Marlins are all they're going to see for about a week. You have the Strohs well, coming up next, then back to the Marlins, then back to the Strohs again. Well, that's uh that's generally how it goes to the Mets, you know, get all of their hard teams. And, oh, yeah, aren't the Yankees coming soon? Yeah, yeah well, that should be coming real soon. Well, we won't see the Mets won't see the Yankees until the end of July. That's when we get the Subway Series. About a Late month start now. The end of July, it'll be, a, again, it'll be a very short little uh, couple game series. It's not going to be a long one. But I look forward to that matchup. And I think we all can agree it's going to be once these two teams face each other. We really get to see who the real kings of New York are. We really I mean, will get to see who the real team in New York is. I mean, I, I, yeah, to an extent. But now, but looking at the Yankees here, yes. I'm sorry. They are clearly the better team in New York. Yeah. I hate that. I really do. I'm a Met fan. Fair. I, I understand. Fan and I hate the fact well, that I'm saying this, but the Yankees they started are seven and far six. the best team in baseball. The Yankees at one point were seven and six. Yankees were seven and six, 13 games in. Let's go back to that. At that point, the Yankees were not really were not really hitting very well. You started to kind of throw your heads up like, oh, this is going to be another bad year. The Yanks are, are not going to do anything in the East. The Blue Jays are going to run away with it. Boston's too powerful. And I don't know what happened from that seven, six start. But then like a, it seems like a switch got turned on from that seven, six start. The Yankees now are what, 49 and 16? Since so they went all together 42 and 10, 49 and 16 overall. They went 42 and 10 since starting seven and six. I want you to, I want you to process that for a minute. 42 and 10 since that seven six start. And I look at this Yankee team, I see the games that they're winning now that they weren't winning last year. Getting the big hits, getting some of those clutch at bats that the Yankees weren't getting last year. And you look at this team and you say to yourself, and I, I don't know if I, I think this is a fair comparison. Is this 2022 team 
better than the 98 team that won the world that won 125 games over 20 years ago and claw and conked out and didn't do a damn thing in the postseason. Uh, the 98 team went on to win the world series. They went 125 and 50. They didn't win the world series. Well, well, what, you know how good that 98 Yankee team was. They had this feeling of we're going to win every single game. They never felt like they were out of the game. They never felt like they were going to lose. They always knew in their mind when they came into the ballpark, we're winning this game. That's at least the vibe I'm, I'm starting to see with this year's team. And I mean, all- look, yeah, the 98 team World Series winners. We all know that. This reminds me more of the 97 team. I'm getting scared. Can they do it in the postseason? That's because a good question. Remember, at the end of the day, we could be as excited as we want. But you have to win the big one. But forget just that. This is the same cast of characters that hasn't gotten it done for the past five or six years. One way or another, they've always made the playoffs. They've either won the division or won the wild card. They've always gotten in. And the the common theme for Aaron Boone's Yankees seem to be first round knockout. Yeah. Well, so I mean, half the time it's been the Astros that have been in the Yankees way. And it will be the Astros in the Yankees way again. It will Maybe be not. I don't know about this time. And again, as long as the Astros have Verlander, yes, you have to be a little bit more nervous. I agree. Yeah, Verlander. Oh, my God. Verlander obviously was the better of the two pitchers out of Cole and Verlander. I still can't believe Justin Verlander is doing what he's doing. I, I really can't. How, how does somebody and you know it's incredible? We never got dominantly. to see it. You know, it's actually funny about that. We've never got to see Cole face Verlander yet. Have you realized? I don't think we've had that matchup yet. Oh, that'll happen. Yeah, it's gonna we happen. Haven't had that yet. We haven't seen Cole against Verlander in a in a playoff series. We haven't because it's, it's never gotten to that point. Verlander was hurt for a couple of years. Obviously, Garrett Cole had his struggles the last couple of years in the playoffs. I get a feeling if you see Cole and Verlander, maybe we might even see it. Heck, I'll be going to the Yankees Astros game next week. I'll be looking forward to seeing a matchup if it's Colin Verlander. I hope I have a ticket for that. I hope I'm there for that Saturday game. That'd be great. But when the Yankees do face Houston, that's going to tell me everything about how ready the Yankees are. Are they really that team? Because they've blown everybody away up to this point. They have. Well, well, the team that Houston has to worry about first is the Mets because you you take a look at this Met team other than... Honestly, other than the Yankees, there's no other team in baseball that comes close. Like, remember, Atlanta's six and a half back, and they're three games back from uh, L.A.'s record at Mm -hmm. 40 and 24. The Dodgers have cooled off a little bit. The Dodgers have cooled off a little bit. Yeah, San Diego's only a half game out of first in the West. Don't sleep on the Giants either. They're, they're, They're beginning to... Make a little move as well. They're not Three far behind. Back themselves, but if you look at the National League and you look at the American League, it's really clear who the class teams are. It yeah. is really definitely clear because if look at the AL Central, not a team is Just not there has one team at forty games yet. Well, the White Sox have completely underperformed from expectations that 
a lot of us had of them. Everybody thought, oh, the White Sox were going to challenge the Twins in that Central. And right now, what have you seen from the White Sox that that jumps out that this team is going to be dangerous? They keep shooting themselves in the foot. You thought, oh, you Tony LaRusso's manager. Well, what could possibly go wrong, right? Tony well, LaRusso, very solid manager, right? Well, LaRusso right now is half the reason the White Sox aren't winning. Yeah, we I always think he's wearing his welcome out there. He's wearing his. Oh, have you 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 heard, by the way, I'm sure you heard a, a few games back. The, the White Sox uh, blew a game or two, and then you heard the fans chant fire La Russa. It's not the that? first time he's heard that chant. Well, this was the most evident. You heard the fire La Russa chants if you're a White Sox fan. And you have to wonder. Uh, we've already seen two managers get fired this year. We've already seen two managers get let go. We already saw Joe Girardi go, and we've already seen Joe Madden get fired. What's to say Tony LaRusso is not next? Um, I don't know. The White Sox can't afford to keep playing 500 baseball. No, they can't. For the rest of the year. If they're going to make a move, it's going to have to start happening soon because we're halfway in June. All-Star break's not far away. And you have to wonder. There's still only five games out of first, though. Yeah. Well, they have to win their meetings when they play Minnesota. That's going to be huge. They have to start winning their meetings with the Cleveland Guardians. Guardians are not a team I'd sleep on either. Guardians only two games back from Minnesota in that division as well. Yeah. And you know what? When you look at the wild card game, it's very possible three of the teams could come out of the East. The Red Sox are still right there. The Rays are right there. The Blue Jays are right there. We could see at least Actually, three teams out of the East get in, possibly make it into the wild card. The two wild card teams at this point in time are Toronto with 37 wins and Tampa Bay with 36. No other team in any other division in the American League even comes close. And Boston is the next team back with 35 wins. Yeah. Yep. There's going to be a team that has a better record than a division winner, right? Team is going to have a better record than a division winner in the American League East, and they're not going to make the postseason. To say, Even with two wild card teams, it's just yeah. not going to be. So what happens now? Do we tell baseball, uh, maybe we need to add a third wild card team instead of two? Maybe baseball has to change this up as well. I don't know, but the American League East is going to be, uh, that. that's going to be a, a dog nightmare fight. division. It's going to be a dog fight. Uh, well, yeah, for between for the two wild card spots between three teams, I don't think it's I don't think the divisions in question. And these are never two teams I want the Yankees to see. We've already seen what the Rays have done to the Yankees in the playoffs. We've already give seen me more. The, give me more Toronto all day. Toronto all day. This this Yankee I wouldn't team sleep on Toronto either. This I Yankee sleep. team has their number. Well, I would. Let's sleep be real. All year long, have you seen? Have you seen Toronto beat the Yankees once? couple maybe one or two games but the Yankees have been able to yes hold the Jays off but they're dangerous I don't care what anyone says the Blue Jays are dangerous the Blue Jays are also inexperienced at winning I listen I would much rather play Toronto than Tampa very true and the Yankees are going to play Tampa again after this series is over the Yankees will be going back on the road and will go to Trop. They go to the Trop next and play the Rays again. They already did beat the Rays, but now they got to do it again. So stay tuned for our MLB Top 10. That'll be coming out, like I said, this weekend. And for right now, we're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we've got to talk about the NBA Finals. A certain familiar face has another 
NBA championship. Oh, the Warriors. They warned you not to play them. They even said it at the end of last year. I wouldn't want to play us next year. We'll talk about all that in a moment. Back after this. And we're back to downtown sports. I'm the Beast of the East, Jonathan Pariente, along with my co-host, the Mouth of the South, John Schiavone. And we dive in to the NBA Finals. And honestly, was this one of the more classic finals that I had expected? No. Were there any, were there any close games? Did, was there any point in this final where you felt like it was going to be a, a squeaker in some games. Maybe the maybe the series was going to go the distance. I mean, it went six games, yes, but none of the games really wowed me. But at the end of the day, and a shout out to you, Chris. Shout out to you, Chris. Golden State won their fourth NBA title. Curry with four championships now. All right. You know, a lot of people are saying if Curry gets that seventh ring, which, you know what? Might, I couldn't say he won't. It might catapult him into the conversation of, uh, you know, is, could he be better than LeBron James? Doesn't he already, hasn't he kind of earned a seat at the Michael Jordan table? I know he doesn't have seven no. rings yet. He's got four rings already. He's almost, he's getting close to what Michael Jordan did. He's basically right at the Jordan table. He deserves a seat at the table. You're really going to put Steph Curry in that category of historical player like Michael Jordan, like Bill Russell, we're, we're Kareem last... Abdul-Jabbar. We're, we're, we're putting him there now. Golden Stephen Curry carried this team on his back this year. You didn't have Kevin Durant. You didn't have really a uh, another big all-star to, to help kind of – Catapult Golden State. Curry doesn't need that. Yeah, but it's that same brand of basketball. And uh, look, the Warriors are a great team. They're a great dynasty. Yes, you could use the dynasty word for them now. But the thing that upsets me about Golden State is their style of basketball. If they are winning, it's almost unwatchable. And if they're losing, it's unwatchable. Look at every game in this series, six game series, right? Name me the one game that ended with a team being behind the other by single digit. Well, doesn't exist. Well, I mean, game six, Boston took an early lead in the first quarter. They went up early. They went up about 10 and then Golden State just ran off like a 21-0 run. And that basically dictated the rest of the final. That wrote that 103 game to six. 90. That was game six. Game yeah. five is 104 to 94. That, that was the most rock. That was the most watchable of the games. Uh, game four as well. By 10. Yeah. Everything the else was watchable. 16, 12, 19. And then games one through three were just terrible. 12, 19, and 16. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Was this a watchable? Was this an excitable NBA final? From this what we've was seen not, in years past. No, look, uh, look, Toronto Golden State was a lot more exciting. Um, yeah. Hell, hell, remember Miami, L.A.? That was more exciting. 
And that was in the bubble. That, that was, was more the, exciting. That was in the bubble, for God's sakes. No fans. If this were if this were in the bubble, the NBA Finals would have had the worst ratings in their history. Well, it goes to show you a couple things here. Was Boston, did Boston look like they were ready to play Golden State? Everybody thought Boston had the best chance of beating Golden State. Yeah, until uh, until you ran into a certain big, big problem. Well, Jason Tatum committed a lot of turnovers, which hurt this team a lot. His shoulder. Remember, yeah. Tatum's shoulder. Nobody's really talking about it. It was really messed up at the start well, of this series. He was trying to gut it out. I mean, you know, you, you couldn't afford if you didn't have Tatum, you wouldn't have gotten to the finals if you were Boston. You needed Tatum. Yeah, you did. And he was willing to fight through an injury. He was willing to play with maybe his if he had to play with one arm, I'm sure Tatum would have played with, with an arm falling off and still try to play. I know he would have. Practically was playing in Pretty a situation much. like that. But that's what hurt, what hurt Boston. Jaylen, yeah, where was, the other thing that hurt Boston is where was Al Horford this series? Yeah. Where was Jalen Brown this series? Uh, scoring 27 points in, uh, on the 8th of June, game three. This Boston team really prided itself on playing team basketball, right? You know, where was Marcus Smart in this series? What happened to Marcus Smart? Uh, what was supposed to happen? Golden State played some defense. Yeah. We weren't sure if maybe you know, we knew Golden State was a good team. Were they going to be a, a good enough team playing defensively to beat Boston? That was a big thing I'm sure people had on their mind as well. Just to let you know exactly how bad Golden State shut down Marcus Smart, right? Let me hear it. Game six. Mm-hmm. Here's Smart's stat line. 38 minutes with six rebounds, nine assists, and nine points. Wow. Tatum. Wow. 40 minutes, three rebounds, seven assists, 13 points. Yep. Al Horford with only 19. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brown, 34. Only player in Boston that did his job. And then, oh yeah, Derek Wright with Derek White with two points, Grant Williams with three, and Robert Williams the third with 10. And that mm-hmm. rounded out the Boston yeah. effort. I was particularly shocked because Derek White was carrying the Celtics team for a little bit as well to, to hold him to two points in 16 minutes. Yeah, let, let, Let's see again. Oh, here's another one of the uh, Derek White. What a great performance. One point in game five. Uh, Horford only nine points in game five. Uh, Tatum went off for 27 game yeah. five. Yeah. Jalen Brown, 18. Marcus Smart, 20. And then nobody else. Yeah. Well, here was the rest they were of the just scoring right there. But you look at Golden State and you have to, you honestly have to say this. I mean, Curry had 34 points. That's what he always does. Clay only had 12 points, but it was players like Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole that stepped up and amounted for 33 of Golden State's points there. You saw how big of, I think, an addition of how Andrew Wiggins has helped kind of balance out this Golden State team. This guy, remember, was a number one draft pick a few years back. Just to just to give you guys a little more perspective, right? So it's uh game five in this series. Uh this is how stacked Golden State is. Ready? Mm-hmm. Andre Godala, postseason hero for Golden State, played a total of four minutes. Game five. Wow. That's how stacked Otto Porter Jr.'s on this team. I mean Gary Payton. 26. Gary Payton the second. It's incredible. That's your backup point guard. This team is stacked, locked, and loaded Golden State, and they're going to be here 
they got at least a few more years up top. And several of their free agents want to stay. And several of their free agents have already been saying, I want to stay in Golden State. Who wouldn't want to stay in Golden State? If you're if you're in the NBA, you don't want to be a Golden State Warrior. I don't know what's wrong with you, because this is literally a team that is guaranteed a shot at the championship every single year, as long as Steph Curry is still playing. What my question now becomes is, who will beat Steph Curry? Who stands in the way that could beat Curry? Uh, name me. A, you know, again, I don't know. You have to kind of ask yourself, what if the Phoenix Suns had gotten here? Could they have beaten Curry? If the Phoenix Suns weren't hurt, I don't think Curry would have made the finals. If uh, the Suns are still a really great team. If the Clippers were not hurt, don't forget, there is a sleeping giant in L.A. waiting. Because Kawhi and George will be healthy again. Tyron Lue is a great coach. Like the Clippers are not a team you could sleep on. They're not a team that you could. Uh, are you going to hear them say you don't want to see us next year? Uh, if they're not saying that, then I don't know. If I were any team, I wouldn't want to see the Clippers next year. The Lakers are already making some changes as well. They already got rid of. Uh, they already got rid of their coaching staff. They already fired Frank Vogel. They've hired Dar- Dalvin Ham to be their new head coach, and they're building some new pieces. I think now they're going after one of the assistant coaches on the Atlanta Hawks. So they're trying to build themselves a little bit of a tougher-minded team, something that I think the Lakers didn't have the last few years. In, But the key ingredient is now, okay, LeBron possibly wants out. And he might go to Golden. Well, what if he goes to Golden State now? What if LeBron decides I'm going to join Steph Curry? You know, the rumor was last year that I heard that uh, apparently he might want to go to Boston. He wants him and his son to play together in Boston. No. That was uh, the big well, rumor. Wherever he goes is where his son's. Wherever his son goes is where he's going to go. What if Golden State drafts his son? What if Golden State drafts Bronny James? I don't think Golden State wants that headache. You don't think they want that? Headache? Why do you want the headache of LeBron James on your team? Look at, at look at the results that LeBron James has left behind in every organization he's been to. Yeah. At the same time, this man has won four NBA titles. This man has won four rings. And he's been in how many finals? He's been in more finals than you can imagine. There was a, there was a time where LeBron made the finals like, what, seven years in a row, I believe it was. Yeah, it was. And then uh, I, I he made the finals like every single year until like the one year he didn't make the postseason. Well, because he finally had a basketball team that couldn't play a, as a cohesive unit back this past year. The Lakers of this past season didn't have a cohesive team. You had no rhythm. You had no point guard. You had no solid ball movement, pretty much. And no Anthony Davis. And that seems to be the problem with the Lakers. They bet on Anthony Davis and they lost. That was the that was that was a yeah, that was a bad situation for the Lakers there. Anthony Davis is not giving you anything close to what you thought you were going to get from him. Yep. If Anthony Davis played any sort of like he played in uh, New Orleans, he would have uh, the Lakers would have been winning title after title. Remember, oh. a lot of us were waiting to find out when is Anthony Davis going to supplant LeBron James. Well, he might want out now, LeBron. Anthony Davis is going to want out if LeBron's gone. Uh, and 
now LA is left with uh, who they left with after LeBron and Anthony Davis go. Well, it's going to be very curious to see where what LeBron decides to do this offseason. I, you know, he keeps kind of always changing his mind where he wants to be. He's hinted at playing for the Warriors and he said, but oh, I'm going to stay in LA. Then the Warriors kind of come right back into the conversation again. But he has hinted he'd want to play for the Warriors. Would he be willing to be the number two on a Warrior team? That's my question. Is LeBron going to want to take that? I mean, I, I is he really going to be? Is he really going to be a number two scoring option when you have Clay Thompson and Steph Curry? I mean, he might be a three option, maybe four, perhaps. <laughs> Understand this: LeBron is thirty-seven years old. He is getting up there in age. He's still playing at a, at a high level. Give him credit, but there's going to come a point where LeBron is going to have to be able to take a back seat in his career at some point. So really quickly, these are the biggest free agents of 2022. Bradley Beal has a player option. He could resign with the Wizards, mm-hmm. but I don't think he will. Zach Levine for the Bulls. Zach James Harden, because uh, there's a player option with the Sixers. I'm sure he won't be back unless he feels that he needs one more season. Andrew Wiggins Yon- is a free agent. Andrew Wiggins is a free agent as well. Oh, and uh, <laughs> Miles Bridges is a free agent. Player option for Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. Miles Bridges. DeAndre Ayton is a free Brunson, agent. Uh, Anthony Simmons for the Blazers. Oh, Colin Sexton. I've heard this name a million times. Uh, the Knicks were always talking Nurkic about getting for the uh, Blazers. Mitchell Robinson for the Knicks. Bobby Portis. Now. Bobby Portis on the Bucks. There's going to be people out oh, there. Malik Monk. Malik Monk is out there. Yeah, maybe uh, he, he's going to be out the there. Knicks, could be somebody the Knicks might want to think about. They need a point yeah, guard. I would. I would. Malik Monk would be perfect for them. If I, I would, think. if I were the Knicks, that's exactly where I'd go. Oh, Bruce Brown for the Nets as well. Yeah. So there are so some there's pieces. There's a out lot there. of oh, PJ Tucker, yeah. Gary Payton. There's pieces out there. There are pieces out there. There are pieces out there. Who's going to go after them is going to be my question. Well, you, I, I think Golden State will definitely be out there looking for some, looking for some help. I think they're going to be getting, gonna they're going to be getting their 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 big acquisition in the draft. Wiseman, he's going to come back from injury. Austin you needs to get another scorer. Yeah. If I were, if I were the yeah. Celtics, I would be taking a very, very hard look at some of these players. Mm-hmm. I would Maybe especially... Bobby Portis might fit him. I think Portis could be a good fit for Boston. I think Malik Monk might do a good job in Boston as well. He could. He definitely could. I, I think the definitely the Celtics are, are not far away from coming back to the final, maybe winning it next year. Who knows? But you have to look at the whole picture here. Give Miami Malik Monk and watch what happens. Does Miami need Malik Monk? Does Miami need him? I don't know. Mm. I think they need at least uh I think they need at least another scorer alongside Jimmy Butler. Because Jimmy Butler can't do it all. You can't have Jimmy Butler doing it all for you. It doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, Kyle way. Lowry was supposed to be doing a lot more of that than he did. And where was Kyle Lowry? Where was he? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Where was Bam Adebayo at certain moments? I'm not, I'm not saying he he couldn't carry Bam Adebayo certainly could, but where was Adebayo? I don't think Adebayo is as good as he was hyped to be, truthfully. And then, of course, Mr. Tyler Hero. Where was the hero of the whole Heat team? 
Or did he not have a happy ending like all heroes are supposed to have? I don't know. I mean, uh, the happy ending is a championship, right? Does anybody see Miami getting back to the NBA finals with the Bucks and the uh, they got close Celtics. two years ago? They were close two years ago. Yeah, they were in the bubble. But they two years ago, they were close. in the finals. Yeah, they, they made the finals in the bubble. They were great. And then, uh, you know, this time around, too, they could have made the NBA finals, but they didn't. I think they would have gotten annihilated by Golden State, though. It's called they laid an egg to the Celtics. That's what happened. They laid an yeah. egg to Boston. They period. Did. They did. And you don't think that's not on their mind? If they see Boston again, you don't think that's not on their mind that they want to beat the Celtics next year? But what can they do about it if Tatum's healthy? If Tatum's healthy. If he, he if will he's be. healthy. I don't know how bad that shoulder his I don't know how bad that shoulder injury his is. And well, he was still able to play, so all right. Well, I'd imagine by the start of next year, Tatum will be healthy. He should be. You know what teams you're not going to see in any sort of championship conversation, though? Who? The Nets or the Knicks. Neither one of them. You're not going to see. You don't them. think the Knicks could maybe no. rebuild However, a little bit and get themselves no. back? However, the one team that I do see out of those two that could do anything. Yeah, the Nets are a big, gigantic sleeping giant, because as long as you have both Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant on your team, you, you have a chance to win. It doesn't matter who else you put around them. If Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, both healthy and on the floor, you yeah. have a chance to win. We've heard that mantra for the last three years. We've heard that mantra for the last couple of years. And look at what happens when you need Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving decides, I'm not going to play. Kyrie Irving decides to play when he feels like it. You know, you're paying this guy, uh, what, what does he have, $36 million on an option left? You think the Nets are going to pick up Kyrie's option? You think Kyrie Irving's going to stick around it's in a Brooklyn? player option. That's a player option. You think Kyrie Irving's going to play? You think he's going to stick around and, and play one more season with Brooklyn? I don't see he it. He does seem to say, he, from everything I'm reading, he does want to stay, supposedly. But we'll see. Yeah. And then what's going to happen when Kyrie Irving gets hurt again? What's going to happen the if... That's uh, collapse. And what's going to happen if Kyrie Irving decides uh, sometime during the season... Uh, I need to take time away. I need to clear my head a little bit. You know, uh, I got to get away from the game for a few days. And, and you know, it could be critical games down the stretch that maybe the Nets could win if Kyrie had played. You know, I think about no those idea. things for a minute. I have no idea. Honestly, I have no idea. But Kyrie Irving was not the reason the Nets were in the position they were in last year. So was it James Harden leaving yeah. that hurt them? Well, I would say James Harden is the thing that hurt them all. James Harden's all. a cancer wherever he plays. Yeah. James Harden is a cancer wherever he goes. The only time James Harden was successful was under Mike D'Antoni. That should tell you something about him. Yeah, because Mike D'Antoni is an offensive minded coach. You play, you basically all you have to do is score a million points and you'll be good. Yeah, but put Harden anywhere else. When you have to ask Harden, uh, I don't need you to be the number one scorer. I need you to be maybe like the number two or three. Think Harden's going to want to play number two or three score on a basketball team? Nope. Here's the only thing I would say, and we'll end the show with this. Well, congrats to Golden State. First off, they deserve that title. They're going to be in the NBA finals or in the conversation for an NBA championship for at least the next three or four years, as long as Steph Curry's under contract. Well, the trio is getting up there. They're now they're in their they're in their peak of their career. Now they're in their mid thirties. Now, like I said, they got a few years left to win a few more titles. If they win, remember, this is their fourth. If they win three more rings, they're 
they're officially better than that '90s Bulls team that everybody keeps. Well, they'd talking have about. to three-peat. They would have to three-peat. I don't. If they do not three-peat, they're not winning. I don't know if I maybe maybe Golden State could win at least one more. I don't know if they're going to win three. I just could, don't see that happening. But. They could win two. I could see them taking two more. Mm-hmm. Name Let's me the see. team that's better right now. I, I'm telling you, they need literally to match up name with, me. The, they need to match up with team. Phoenix. That matchup with Phoenix should have happened in the playoffs. Then we really could have said, OK, Golden State Clippers, is a better team. Clippers as well. Hmm. I, I still got to put the L.A. Clippers in that top three in the West, because uh, last year, neither Paul George nor Kawhi Leonard were healthy at all. That team is a solid foundation. They're built well. They like each other in that locker room. Tyron Lue's a great coach. The Clippers are a team that I would look out for if you're in the NBA. If you're looking for a team that, you know, maybe didn't get out of the play-in but could make a real big impact, that's the Clippers next year. But we're going to see how free agency goes. Well, we definitely will because it's beginning now. But with that, we got to end this episode of downtown sports. Now I want everybody to take a look out. It should be out before this episode is out. The MLB top 10. Now beast couldn't join me. So Patrick Creighton from 98.7 FM Houston ESPN host of late hits. He comes on board and he looks at the MLB top 10 with me. So that'll be an interesting listen. You'll want to tune into that. But Beast, where can they hear us? You can listen to Downtown Sports now on 19, 19 different platforms. Can you believe that? 19. Crazy. Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Bullhorn, Podbay, Listen Notes, Podcast Addict, Verbal, Castro.fm. Stitcher, Amazon Music, Audible, and now on Podvine. That's right, Podvine, our 19th platform. Episodes, rants, digital market battle specials every week. We are downtown sports, and we are where sports come home. Oh, yeah. By the way, it's going down. Catalyst Wrestling presents Sabotage, July 16th, the location, Chilo's Greenwood in Brooklyn, 740 5th Avenue. That would be actually in Bay Ridge. Pre-sale tickets, $25. At the door, $30. The Freestyle Championship is on the line. We're going to give you one of the matches right now. The God Destroyer, Ghost Shadow, takes on Victor Benjamin. Victor Benjamin will be coming out with the King of the Dot. Rap battling champion, real deal. So he that that match is going down for the freestyle title. Homicide will be there. Plenty of others. You want to come check it out once again? Chilos Greenwood, seven forty fifth Avenue, Brooklyn, New York. That's Bay Ridge. Twenty five dollars for pre sale. Thirty dollars at the door. Go to CatalystWrestling.com for more details. The Beast, it's mouth. We out. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.